This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm a little, well, I'm a lot nervous. To say I'm a little nervous would be an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying not to think about it too much, but I do feel like if you don't have goals that scare you, yeah. you're not setting the right goals sometimes. Welcome to today's podcast. This is Christine, your host, and I have some huge news. This is big. This is something I have never done before. Literally, never. I am scared out of my mind. I'm, I'm kind of feeling like I had a blackout on the internet today because <laughs> I signed up for an ultra trail marathon, ultra marathon trail run today. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm wondering what was I thinking at all? <laughs> I, I wasn't thinking at all. Don't you think that's an internet blackout? Dave, Dave is here with me. I think it's awesome. <laughs> I am not feeling confident about this at all. Don't overthink it. Just sign up and do it. You know, I have a good friend. That's her theory on everything. I'm like, what about the weather? She's like, I just don't think about it. I'm like, I'm going to twist my ankle today. She's like, yes, the conditions are ripe for a twisted ankle. Just don't think about it. <laughs> just, just go about your business. Dave is here with me today because we're going to talk about this ultra marathon trail race. It is the Beaverhead endurance run. I believe that's what it's called. That's it is what it's in, called. Okay. It's in Salmon, Idaho. Dave did it last year, this year, whatever. The, the last time they did it, he did it. So I am turning to him for his expertise, his knowledge, because I have zero. <laughs> I have done three marathons, but they've all been road marathons. That is a different animal. Yeah, this is definitely a different animal. So this is elevation, this is mountains, this is technical trail, this rocks. Is a, this is a wild ride. I, I, what have I done? <laughs> so I brought Dave here today because we're going to talk about ultra running, ultra marathon, trail running. And I want to know what his takeaways were from last year when he did this race. Anything he has, any words of wisdom he has, I need to hear it because my training plan starts in February. That's real soon. Real soon. Real, real soon. Around the corner, baby. Tip number one for ultra running or, or trail running, as it were. Okay. I want to back up just a second. Oh, why? Because first of all, I want everybody to know that I'm doing this race also. Yes. Dave also signed up. We're doing it. Well, I don't know if we'll do it together, but we will both be there t at the same time on the same day. And the second disclaimer is I've only done one. So I am by no means expert or pro. I learned a heck of a lot and I want to share what I learned. Okay, great. I, I guess we should also say I have done trail running. I've done a 25K, which actually ended up to be close to 18 miles. So I've done that. Yep. I have done actual marathons. I've done a half Ironman, which took me over six hours. So you could say that I am aware of endurance sports. I am aware of trail running. It's not like I'm a noob. Not completely. Not completely. Just a little. Just enough to get you in trouble. Which I think is what we've done here. <laughs> just enough to get Christine in trouble. Takeaway number one, Dave, lay it on me. Okay. More long runs. 
more long runs than what? Than what I did last year. So these are the lessons I learned from last year. Okay. 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 So I started running in about December, January, and I ran pretty consistently. But I didn't start doing like trail long runs until May. Whoa. Did you no, realize that, that? No, that's a lie. Because you came with me when I was training for the over the top. So I'm going to say April. Okay. You it, did, was, it was like mid end of April. You did a few 10 miler trails with me. Yes. Okay. But I wasn't doing enough. Early enough. Early enough. So you're saying your base endurance wasn't quite what you wanted it to be. Yeah. Especially because so many things with life between end of school year and other things. I missed a couple weekends in May and a couple in June. And so I bet you I only got like six long runs in between April, May, and June. So the plan I found, which I don't want to get too in detail today, but I did find a training plan. It is 24 weeks long, this training plan. That's a long time. Mm -hmm. That's six months. Am I mathing that right? That's six months of training. It's about right. The first few weeks are mostly base building. It's definitely not as time consuming as Ironman training, which was, oh my gosh, so time consuming trying to do three sports. So I am excited that it will be less time consuming than that, especially in the first couple of months. But my training plan that I have has at least 15 long runs, like every Saturday. Yeah. It's three plus hours. Yeah. For a long time. Three plus hours. Yes. And what's really hard is when you get into... May and June, those have to be like five to six hours. Yeah, I do have a few there. I have one day that it is a marathon. It has to be 26 miles. And then there's a few that are like a five hour run. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't matter how far you go. You just have to do it for five hours. I only did two or three. I, I probably did three runs that were at five or six hours. And that was my max last time. Okay. And I you, think I want five or six this time. You say that's not enough. Listen. <laughs> That's a technicality. I was able to complete it just fine. Yeah, you did it. But I want to improve. For my next time, I need to do more. You want to do more so you can do it better. So I can do better. Gotcha. I will say miles 17 through about 34. <laughs> <laughs> the whole second half. Were really hard. It might have been miles like 22 through 34 were really hard. Mm -hmm. I know where I crashed in the right. race. I did really well. For the first five hours. Okay. Okay. I probably did really well for the first seven hours, but I will say hours seven through 10 got really hard. And it took you just under 10. Nine hours, 50 minutes. Is there a time cap on this? No. Excellent. I feel a lot better about that. Yeah. You can, so what I'm trying to say is you could walk this. You don't have to do all the trainings that we're talking about. If you miss a few of them, you're going to be okay. At this distance, as long as you've been doing some long runs, you're going to complete this. You can even walk a lot of it, mm -hmm. most of it, and you're going to complete the race. Okay. The question is, how much do you want to, like, what's going to make you feel good? Finishing it? Great. Then you need to make sure you have the base to get through. Right. Yeah. Which means being on your feet for 10 plus hours. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's not something you just go out and do. I've seen people walk almost this entire race mm -hmm. in about 12 to 13 hours. Which is still be on your feet for 12 hours, yeah. which is a lot. It's a long day. And, and the elevation on this race is, if I remember right, are we looking at 6,000 up? I want to say it was seven to 8,000 up. I thought it was six up, eight down. I'll tell you in just a second. Okay. I did look at it today. So that's, that's another part of this. You know, you have some serious elevation ups and downs. Something I learned recently 
because I just did this huge hike in Grand Teton National Park that was, I believe, 4,000 feet up and down, is I used uh, trekking poles, hiking poles, to help me go up, and that saved my legs. Yeah. Big time. So I think I'm going to be on the hunt for some trekking poles to take with me to use on the climb up. Not even balance on the way down, but just up to help me save my legs because that really made a difference. For sure. Mm -hmm. 6,500 feet climb. Up. And like 9,000 down. And then nine down. Okay, so I have to be able to do 6,500 feet up, Mm -hmm. which is a lot. That's That's nothing to sneeze at. Well, here's the really hard part. There's some pretty good climbs in the middle. But it's towards the end where it's all the big scree field, big, huge boulders. You're just jumping from boulder to boulder. So not only are you going up, but the terrain is so rough while you go up. Right. You can't go quick and it's a twisted ankle or a fall waiting to happen at every corner. Okay. Gotcha. I like that. More, more training, more long runs. So what's uh, takeaway number two? Takeaway number two is there's two different kinds of training that I needed to add. I trained mileage. And I need to do time-based training instead and elevation-based training. Which we kind of have already touched on a little bit. And I, right. And I kind of did that a little bit, but not like I should have. Like, I think I had days where I was like, I need 3,000 feet of elevation gain. Well, when I did my long runs, I cut out the elevation gain. Oh. Right? Because I was in the mountains where there weren't, like the mountains that I was in were kind of rolling hills, mm-hmm. not big elevation climbs. And so I need to train a long run that puts 5,000 feet in. Yes. In five hours. So you plan you plan the trail run based on elevation, less on miles. Elevation and time and less on miles. So for example, I, I rode my bike with you on one of your training runs, your 25 miler training run. Yeah. Because we were up in the mountains-ish and I don't even know what you ended up as far as elevation that day. I think that day I was at 3,000. 3,000 in 25 miles which is a lot no matter who you are, but you probably should have done five. It was half the elevation that I needed. So what could you have done differently on that trail specifically to make the mileage double? I probably should have gone out to that lookout mountain. Yes. That had that like one mile climb and it's like 800 feet. Yeah. It's I should have done that. Like a couple times. Three times that day. Yeah. Okay. So just some repeats on some steep stuff. Yeah. That's the hard thing about, especially with us in Idaho in the spring. You're going to have to be picking only the trails that are melted mm-hmm. in many cases. Which is almost none. Which is not going to, which is going to significantly limit the variety of trails you get. Mm-hmm. And then you're probably going to have to repeat those often. I suspect in your Christmas stocking, you're going to end up with some yak tracks. <laughs> and I need some new ones because mine are five years old and rotted. Yeah. Which is something we can do. It could be snow. It could be snow. Running. It may have to be. It's going to be in, in February and March. Yep. Sure. Probably April. <laughs> awesome. I got to say, we did have some good trail running in April. But like end of April, we were still fighting some snow at some of the higher elevations. Even when we went down south to Pocatello for an hour. Oh, that's a good point. Oh my gosh, I forgot we could do Pocatello. Pocatello is a really nice trail an hour away. But like I said, even in April last year, I was fighting snow at the top. That's right, because you did that run with Jarrah. Yep. That was a great training run. Good yeah. training run. That's a good one because it's 3,000 feet in 17 miles. Yes. Mm, we're going to have to do that one a few times, yep. I think. All right. Next lesson learned is? More salty snacks. Yes. This is such a trial for endurance athletes. This sounds so dumb. I have to eat more. Wah, wah, poor me. However, <laughs> when you do endurance-based sports, it is all about the food. Yeah. It truly is. You have to eat. 
and you have to eat a lot. The goal is typically 400 calories an hour that you have to ingest. I stopped eating about hour seven. And that was your downfall. And that was what really hurt me those last couple hours. I think I was really struggling because of that. So there's actually two tips here. Okay. Number one is more salty snacks. So you gotta figure out what kind of salty snacks you enjoy, especially when you don't wanna eat anymore. Because when you eat nothing but sweet snacks, it gets old. That gets old real fast. You get so sick of eating things that are sweet. And I know most people are thinking, that sounds like heaven to me. But <laughs> Dave and I have both done really long races and we both experienced this. You, you don't want any candy. You don't want any bars. You don't want any chews. You don't want goos. You don't want any of that crap. You need potato chips. Like you want salt, 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 salt. Yeah. The second part of this is I learned that I carried too much of my own food. Yeah, tell me about that because there are aid stations. There are really good aid stations. Tell me about the aid stations. On this race. They had everything from peanut butter and jam sandwiches to bacon, all the candy you could think of, chips. They had the goose and you know normal energy nutrition type things. It was everything that I really wanted. What I really should have done is probably taken like a Ziploc baggie or two mm -hmm. and just kind of refilled a couple things here and there. Okay. But I carried like my own sandwich. Well, I kept eating sandwiches along the trail. I ended up with the sandwich almost whole in my backpack. Didn't touch it. When I finished. And anything else that you want, mm -hmm. that you think you really like, that they're not going to have, you want to bring a few of those things. But not as much as you think. Because there are, I mean, the first aid station is mile four. The next one is like mile 10 and the next one is mile 17. It's the 10 to 17 that was the hardest for me. And then after 17, are there any more after 17? Yes, they get, they get to be about four to six miles after that. So approximately every four to seven miles, there will be an aid station with awesome stuff. Yes. That's really good to know. I personally love potato chips when I'm doing marathons and really long events. I don't know what it is. They're so salty and it's the perfect snack for me personally. I don't love peanut butter when I'm running. Yeah, too gooey. Like, it kind of stops um, up your mouth. It's too, there's too much fat in it mm. because um, my body has a really hard time digesting fat. It digests it very slowly and it gives me an upset stomach. So peanut butter is not great for me, but I need something salty. Yeah, so just trial and error. Are you saying you should have practiced that more? Practiced different foods? I should have practiced different foods Especially on the long runs. This kind of goes back to the long run. I need more long run training. Right. I need to practice eating at the end of those long runs with all sorts of variety to see what I like the most. Got it. Okay. That's really good to know. Yeah. Just a couple more little quick ones. Practice with the poles. We talked about that. So you borrowed a friend's poles. On race day. On race day. You know the rule. Nothing <laughs> new on race day. But That's I'm so rule. glad that I did. But you're glad, you're glad you had them. I'm glad I had them. Yeah, it definitely eased the burden on some of those technical sections. And when I when you climb with poles, mm -hmm. you can kind of get into a rhythm, a little bit like cross-country skiing almost. And it does take enough off of your legs on a climb to ease them and give you enough strength so that when you go downhill, you feel like you've got all your strength back. Mm -hmm. I did not use them going downhill. No, I didn't use my poles going downhill. They kind of got in my way. But, They're in your way. But on the uphill, they were amazing. Yeah. Agreed. What's another lesson you learned? The last one I, I wrote down was practice eating at six hours. Why six hours? Because that's when you stopped. That's when I stopped eating. 
A lot of your lessons have to do with food. I know. Have you noticed that? I know. <laughs> Maybe it was, and I don't know if it was at the six hour mark or if it was just that it was so technical. I had a hard time eating when there was poles in my hand. Like, yeah, for sure. And that whole, that whole technical section, it's like 10 miles or at least two to three hours of technical hiking. Up and down? Mostly up. Mostly up. And a little bit of down. But I didn't want to eat because I had poles in my hand the whole time. And you didn't want to stop for five minutes. And I didn't want to stop for five minutes. Looking back on that, do you wish you had stopped for five minutes? It probably wouldn't have hurt if I would have stopped for five minutes and just refueled. That's something I've learned. Sometimes stopping for three minutes, two minutes to fix something, whether you're being stabbed by a pokey or if your brake is rubbing on your bike, or if you just need to refuel on a 10 hour run, the three minutes will do you more good than harm. This is the last final one I have. Practice your self-talk. Okay, mental toughness. The best thing I heard was from Ben Bergeron on the Chasing Excellence podcast the other day when he said, expect adversity and expect to overcome it. Man, he's got some great little nuggets, doesn't he? He does. I love that one because I knew it was gonna get hard, but I didn't know how to overcome it when, like, I didn't want to go forward anymore. You know, right. like, you just wanted to stop. It was so technical, and my every footstep, my ankles are twisting back and forth and rocking as because no step is solid and secure. And I haven't eaten because I'm so worried about where I'm stepping, and I've got things in my hands and I can't reach into my backpack. Like, you sound stressed out right now. Well, it was <laughs> that's the way it was. <laughs> That's it was how just, it was there was the so much going on mm -hmm. that I needed to learn how to, okay, how do I eliminate those things? Or how do I think through them and just be more productive instead of, man, this sucks. Yeah. The, the man, this sucks is not going to help you. Yeah. I like, is it Courtney DeWalter who just embraced the pain cave? Yes. Made it her home. She said she likes getting to the pain cave. And yeah. I was like, you are speaking a foreign language to me. <laughs> Me too. I don't like the pain cave at all. When she was on the Rich Roll podcast, she said, I used to think that my goal was to push off the pain cave as far as I could. And then I learned that the faster I get to it, I'm more comfortable there. And I was like... Because she's like made her bed there. And, I'm where and... she used to be. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, that's why she's winning everything. And she kicks everybody's butt. She just embraces the pain cave. She's kind of an amazing, amazing athlete. Spectacular. So I kind of went into this bad place when Dave and I did the over-the-top trail race in, is that May? Yeah, that, it was that, May. That we did that? Dave ran ahead. I don't remember why. You, why did you run ahead? I think I was tired of being caught behind some slow traffic. Yeah, I was kind of behind a few girls on this downhill section. We were kind of at the downhill. It was a little flat. And Dave's like, you mind if I run ahead to the next aid station or whatever? I think you wanted extra miles. So you're going to run out and run back and meet me. So I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. And I went to a bad place when you left because I thought I was going to be running downhill all the way to the aid station. And that is not what happened. No. My expectations were off of what was reality. Yeah. We started climbing up, but it, it looked flat. So I thought it was flat, but it was not. And so I felt like I was working so hard. This was about the 10 mile mark. I was working so, so hard to not go anywhere. Like, why was it so hard to run on this, what appeared to be flat ground, but it was climbing. Well, it was flat for like a half mile. And then you straight up climbed for the next two. Yes, yes, and I was to the aid station. I was unprepared for that, yeah. and so I was, I was not good. 
I got to the aid station and I think, I don't remember if you ran ahead again. Like you may have been there at the aid station. I had some potato chips. That was very good. Had some water. And for some reason I thought there'd be a bathroom there and there wasn't. Yeah, there was no bathrooms on no that No bathroom course. there. So I was like, I was just very, very negative. I was like way in my own head. What was good about right after the aid station is that it was a visible climb. It was clearly a climb out of the aid station, whereas the two miles previous looked flat, but they weren't. Right. So it really, really messed with my head. So I saw the climb. I think you ran ahead again because you wanted to run the uphill. And I was like, sweet, I'm hiking. No guilt. And I just kind of tucked into this, like, I'm just going to hike for the next two miles. And it's no big deal because I'm just going to hike. Like, I don't have to go fast. I just have to keep going. Mm -hmm. And so I gave myself permission to slow down and just take those steps instead of forcing myself to run when I felt like I couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And I, I got over it, but I remember those like <laughs> miles eight to 11, eight to 10 and a half. I just wanted to sit down and cry. It was not good. Yeah. It went away. It did. So just a couple of thoughts. I got tired of training in May and April. I know. May, May and June. You really were tired of the training. It'll be helpful if we get to do some of these long runs together. Mm -hmm. That'll definitely help. But what I didn't realize that I like now that I think this vision of what's going to happen after all that training is going to be helpful to get me through that hard part mm -hmm. is I was in such good shape after the race. You could do anything. I could do any hike in the Teton National Park. Any hike that I could dream up, I could do it. Mm -hmm. I could run it. Mm -hmm. Or I could at least hike and run. I loved that feeling. I felt so strong. You were strong. It was kind of annoying, actually. <laughs> because I was not where you were. And I was like, come on. Some of us are human. Not superhuman. Yeah. Slow it down. So I'll just say, when the training gets hard, just keep thinking, like, I'm going to be so much stronger because of all this. And it's only for a short period of time. I have a really important question about this beaverhead race. Okay, is there a bathroom on the course? Uh, yeah, are there bathrooms anywhere? <laughs> <laughs> I think there was a porta potty at almost every aid station. Great. Okay, good. Yeah. Because you know it's going to be just my luck that it's going to be that time of the month, the day of the race. You know, I say that, but I'm like, I'm trying to remember for sure if there was or not. Yeah. I can go back to the video and find out. I didn't use any of the other porta potties, if that well, makes you feel better. No, it doesn't, because you're a <laughs> dude. That's so easy for you guys. You guys are annoying sometimes. <laughs> it's really inconvenient as a woman to go out into the wilderness with no bathrooms. I will do it. Yeah. But it's not easy. I know. Okay, so I have another question for you. Tell me about what you listened to and when. So you were with some buddies at the beginning. Yeah, I was with some. I was with a friend for like the first two miles. Then I found some other friends of theirs that I met. Honestly, I, I only ran with friends for probably a total of like existing friends for maybe a total of an hour. An hour out of the 10. Out of 10. Okay. The others, I met so many people. I talked to a lot of people. I hardly listened to my headphones maybe for like 30 minutes. That's it? 30 minutes to an hour at the most. Wow. Yeah. And honestly, when I was on the scree fields, I didn't like the headphones because I needed to hear my surroundings. I needed to hear the rocks underneath me, how they were rocking. I, it helped... I needed all the senses that I could get because it was so technical and hard. I know that might sound weird, but I just put my, I did play my music mm -hmm. on my phone out loud okay. during some of that. Okay. But I did like, I seriously only listened to my headphones for like 30 minutes. Did you prepare with music? Did you download podcasts? Uh, what I were had, you I had music. With? I had playlists. 
Yeah, I have playlists and podcasts. Okay, all prepared, yep. j- just in case. Yep. Okay, I'll probably do the same. I, I really enjoy podcasts when I get into a good endurance space mm-hmm. because it's so easy to lose track of time. And sometimes you listen to the same song 150 times. Yeah, it gets old. But I do enjoy going with people a lot of the time, especially the chatty ones. My friend Courtney is the most chatty person on planet Earth. So it is so fun to run and bike with her because she just talks my ear off the whole time. And I don't even have to respond half the time. I chatted with a lot of people. And I think sometimes the chatting may have slowed me down a little bit. Oh, probably. There was at least one or two people that I, I just loved talking with them so much I just stayed with them and that, hiked at their pace when I probably could have ran but that's a good mental boost oh for sure so worth it it me. had its it had its compromises right mm-hmm. it might have paid off I don't know I'm just saying I there was a few times that I know I could have been running when I was walking just chatting the views on this course are so rewarding well I saw your video every time I turned around I was like this is unbelievable I've never seen so many picturesque Photo ops at every corner. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I hope I feel that way. <laughs> if, when I'm there, yeah. I'm a little, well, I'm a lot nervous. To say I'm a little nervous would be an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying not to think about it too much, but I do feel like if you don't have goals that scare you, yeah, you're not setting the right goals sometimes. I'm so proud of you. Are you really? Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> this, this was epic. We watched so many of these documentaries as a family, mm-hmm. as a couple, and we've never, I mean, you've done some pretty epic things. The, the Iron Man was pretty awesome, but this one's even bigger. Oh, I know it's bigger. I looked at the Iron Man. I was like, do I, am I going to do another Iron Man? I'm feeling like I could commit to something now, but I, I kind of wanted to do something different that I had never done before. And we have, the cool thing is we have friends doing this as well. So not only are you going to get to do something you've never done before, but you get to do it with people that you do know and have experience doing things with them. Yeah, that's another thing. We do have quite a big friend group going and doing this. I think our count is eight or nine people all signed up because registration opened today and it usually sells out within just a couple days because they do cap the registration. So we're all gonna go up together. We're all gonna like camp out over the weekend. It's gonna be a whole thing. I am excited about that. Uh, I fully suspect in the first two miles, I will be waving goodbye to all of my friends. The first two miles, most of us stay together because you have to walk the first mile. Right, because it's just the crowd. Up. The crowd is so tight, it's almost impossible to run the first mile, unless you're in like the elite group at the very front of the line. Well, that will not be me. We started at the back of the pack last time. Mm-hmm. Oh, because you ran for the bathroom one last time. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I might try to avoid that. I, I have a nervous bladder, so before a race like that, I, I typically just stay by the porta potty until the last possible second. Being in the back of the pack was seriously slow. Was it? Because there's only two tracks to go up, and it's like you are bumper to bumper with everybody else, and there's like 200 people going up this hill, and you don't go faster than the group. We need to strategize our training. Yeah. I'm wondering if we take a trip somewhere where there's not snow covered hills. sometime in March or April maybe and do like do a week of training where there's not snow. Yeah. Just ponder that. That's an interesting idea. Uh, Marinate on that idea for a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Are you feeling like you're going to want to follow the training plan that that I found and kind of set up? I have no idea. I haven't looked at it yet. Okay. I'll give you a brief overview. Okay. Okay. First of all, every week has, it's essentially five days of running. Five days of running. However, 
some of the days I put on there specifically to switch out for biking. Okay. So two of the five could easily be biking because it's never more than like five miles. Like it's your, it's your base building endurance movement. Yeah. So if you wanted like your Mondays and Wednesdays, instead of a four mile run to be 40 minutes of biking, just switch it. Okay. Easy peasy, ride the Peloton. I think that would be good actually to do the cross training instead of the run. So I, I gave it some flexibility. Okay. I, by the way, I never did more than three or four runs in a week. I, I do time. tend to get injured when I run a lot. So I really like a three day a week run. Yeah. Personally. Fridays and Saturdays are the back to back long runs. Oh, okay. Did I tell you that the training started in February? Yes. That you did. was a lie. It's January. Is it really? <laughs> it is. It's January 16th is the first, <laughs> it's the first day of quote training. But like I said, it starts real easy. Three mile run, five mile run, right? Like you could bike, you could just bike for an hour that day if you didn't want to do the run. So week one, your Friday is a five mile run and your Saturday is a 10 mile run. You have back to back long runs accumulating 15 miles. Okay. Okay. So several weeks later, your back to back long runs are a seven mile on Friday, which is easy. Seven mile on Friday, that's easy. And then a two hour run on Saturday. Okay. Accumulating whatever that happens to be. 20. That, now that's going to be an elevation day. I was going to say, do they make elevation measurements on there? I'm tweaking it still. Okay. Okay. A month later, actually like six weeks later, let's say end of March, beginning of April, I have a 10 miler on Friday and a 20 miler on Saturday. Oh, dang. Right? I never trained like that. You never trained like that. And I did that specifically so we could continue to go on fatigued legs. Yeah. So I think that's going to be super, super helpful. A 10 and a 20, so total of 30. I may have done one or two of those, but I didn't do many. I have the 10 and 20 a couple times. It's like every other weekend for like two months. A 10 and a 20 and a 10 and a 20. Yeah. So maybe if the trails are open, we could hit up some serious like mountain climbing. Yeah. Right? You know what I'm saying. I know. I think the scariest one is the back to back. Friday is a two hour run and Saturday is a five hour run. We're gonna be doing a lot of running. I know, that's why I really like the biking option on the other days. Yeah, okay. This is gonna be an interesting year. Gives you a little bit of a layout, a little bit of my plan. We'll tweak the elevation stuff. We'll work it out. So we need to get an update from you a couple months from now. Like once I've started training? Once you've started training, you need to give some updates to your audience here. So you can report on your progress and maybe how you're feeling. Well, I the great news is because I've done Ironman training, I know very well how the first two months are going to go. The first two months are all about building your base endurance. Yeah. That's it. It doesn't matter how fast you go. It does, Nothing matters other than getting your body used to moving. That's all. And I know that going into it and I know how it feels to show up and do a workout that you think you're gonna be able to do and finish the workout and be like, holy crap, I can't do this. I know what that feels like. So I'm I'm expecting it already instead of being surprised by it like I was during Ironman training. So I'm, I'm anticipating feelings some kind of way at points. What about your You've been suffering from plantar fasciitis mm-hmm. and IT bands. No, my IT bands feel okay. okay. It's it's my interior knee that's oh. bugging me. So how are you going to handle that? I don't know. We're just going to have to see what happens. So I have been reading a lot about zone two training. Mm-hmm. 
and like zone two training is this idea of keeping your heart rate really low mm -hmm. while running. Mm -hmm. Have you thought about doing anything similar to that? Just like keep the intensity really low so you can do all the hours and the miles. Yeah, I suspect I'll do a lot of road running at an easy, slow pace just to get the miles in, probably on my midweek runs. Okay. Uh, just here in town, easy peasy, whatever, and then try and do trail runs once a week. So it might be a nice combo of like biking, road running, trail running. Cool. Yikes. If, uh, if any of you guys want to sign up, you can't. It's sold out. <laughs> but you probably could jump on the wait list. Yes. Because Dave did that. He was waitlisted. <laughs> I waitlisted last year and then got in because enough people had dropped by January. I think I got in January or February. Yeah. So if you want to join, it's in Salmon, Idaho in July. Yep. Beaverhead Endurance Run. Dave and I will be there with some buddies of ours. On the Continental Divide Trail. Yeah. Happy, happy to meet all of you if you want to go. So thanks for the tips, Dave. Hopefully the trail doesn't kill me. Yeah. It's going to be a blast. I can't wait.